0: This audio presentation was pre recorded and edited for brevity and clarity. Hello, and welcome to the Bright Focus Glaucoma Chat. My name is Diana Campbell, and I'm pleased to be here with you today. For those who are new, the Bright Focus Glaucoma Chats are a monthly program in partnership with the American Glaucoma Society, and it's designed to provide people living with glaucoma, as well as the family and friends that support them, with information provided by glaucoma experts. The American Glaucoma Society counts the leading glaucoma specialists in the country in their membership and we're looking forward to hearing them discuss many topics about glaucoma during this chat series. If you're new to the chat or not yet familiar with Bright Focus Foundation, we find some of the top scientists in the world who are working to find better treatments and ideally cures for glaucoma, macular degeneration, and Alzheimer's disease. And we do events like today's chat to get the latest news from science as quickly as possible to families that are impacted by these diseases. You can find much more information on our website, www.brightfocus.org. Now, with all of that, I'm pleased to introduce today's guest, Dr. Ahmad Aref, who is a board-certified ophthalmologist, specializing in glaucoma and cataract surgery. He is an associate professor of ophthalmology and attending physician in the glaucoma and cataract consultation service at the University of Illinois College of Medicine, Department of Ophthalmology. Dr. Aref has offered, authored over 60 scientific publications and book chapters and serves as an active peer reviewer for several ophthalmic medical journals. So Dr. Aref, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you, such a pleasure to um, to be with you and uh, to be with everybody. Welcome to the, to the call and I'm so uh, glad that we have this opportunity, you know, I think, um, our office visits together with, with patients sometimes are limited in terms of time, and um, so hopefully we can use the next half hour or so to dedicate to discussion about uh, you know an exciting uh, group of uh, surgeries and address some, some common questions, and, uh, and then you know, happy to, to follow up afterwards as well.
0: Wonderful. Yes, I know um, for so many people, you know, the questions are about drops. And so we're super excited to cover MIGS today, um, minimally invasive glaucoma surgery. Um, and so, you know, let's kind of start from there. Can you educate us about what MIGS are?
1: Yeah, so, so MIGS, you know, the, the abbreviation M-I-G-S stands for uh, minimally invasive or sometimes micro invasive. Uh, glaucoma surgery. And it, it, MIGS is actually not just one surgery, it's, it's many different types of surgeries that all share um, some common aspects and some common goals. And uh, so as a group, you know, as a group of surgeries, these surgeries aim to treat the eye's natural drainage outflow system, to help the eye drain its internal fluids in an easier way. And uh, typically MIGS procedures are uh, relatively low risk, of course not zero risk because they're still surgeries, but relatively low risk with a relatively quicker recovery time than our traditional surgeries. Uh, Of course we know that glaucoma is uh, a condition that can only be treated by lowering the pressure inside of the eye. And MIGS procedures are a group of procedures that are some of the tools that we have for lowering eye pressure by treating the eye's natural drainage network.
0: Oh, that sounds, you know, obviously really, you know, an interesting angle for how to treat eye pressure. Um, so you mentioned in your kind of introductory statements that there's many types of MIGs. Um, so could you kind of outline what the various types are?
1: Yeah, sure. So I, I think we're practicing in an exciting age uh, in medicine in general, in ophthalmology, more, and then more specifically in glaucoma. And we're practicing in an age of um, innovation, I would say, where it's, as a as a surgeon as a physician it's almost difficult to keep up with all the different new techniques and new procedures and for that reason there's many types of mixed procedures that aim to try to improve upon one another so um, it, you know that's that's one reason why we have many of these procedures available another reason is that we've learned uh, that the eyes outflow system the drainage System is actually very complex and intricate. And we learn more details about the outflow and the drainage pathway uh, year after year. And with those learnings, we learn to make devices and, and uh, innovate techniques to treat all the different parts of the drainage pathway. There are some MIGS procedures that stent open that pathway, like a cardiac stent would stent open a blood vessel. Um, very similar in in how that's done. There are other mixed procedures that remove part of the drainage tissue that is believed to be most resistant to the flow of fluid. Um, And then there are other types of mixed procedures that rather than removing any tissue or stenting open the drain, there's other mixed procedures that kind of inflate the drainage canal to try and rejuvenate it, to uh, try to get it working again, uh, working better um, than than prior. So those are some broad categories of mixed procedures. The category that involves removing uh, tissue, that category is typically referred to as goniotomy uh, or trabeculotomy is another term. and the term that we use for the group of mixed procedures that inflates the canal is canaloplasty. And then there's various different stents that are uh, kind of um, for proprietary and, and trademarked by uh, various companies that make the different types of stents.
0: Sure. So it sounds like, you know, there are so many involved that I imagine You know, you're kind of matching each individual patient to the best kind of proposed outcome for them, Um, but is there one that's considered better or different than the rest? Um, And if you could just quickly touch on why there are so many, you know, why the different um, avenues to, you know, essentially the same goal of reducing pressure.
1: Yeah. So. I would say that there's not one that is, that is best. There are some mixed procedures that uh, are, give higher chance of lowering eye pressure than others, and, and there's some mixed procedures that lower eye pressure more than others. But with that, often comes increased risk. And although mixed procedures as a whole are relatively low risk, I would say that they're not all similar risk. And the MIGS procedures that lower eye pressure more tend to be the ones that have some higher risk associated with them. And the MIGS procedures that lower eye pressure more modestly tend to be less risk. And so at the end of the day, when a surgeon makes their decision about which surgery in general, or in this case, which MIGS procedure to choose, they have to delicately balance the uh, that risk associated with the procedure, and also the needs of the patient in terms of eye pressure lowering. So, you know, in one on the one hand, you may have what somebody a patient whose eye pressure seems to be pretty well controlled, but maybe they require you know multiple medications to keep that eye pressure controlled, and perhaps a mixed procedure may be needed to lower the burden of medication. In that case, maybe the mixed procedure that's selected is not as powerful and also not as risky as another procedure. On the other hand, you may have somebody whose eye pressure is, is too high, even with multiple medications, and really needs to be lowered to a safe level in order to protect the optic nerve. And in that case, we may need a different type of MIGS procedure that's more likely to lower eye pressure, and it may be worth the risk that's involved with that specific surgery. Sure,
0: that makes sense. Um, we actually just got a question in from um, people listening today. You've kind of touched on this, but I'll read the whole question. Do MIGs, does MIGS surgery replace eye drops, and is it permanent?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great one great question. Uh, So in the the way that we study mixed procedures and the way that they're approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, is there are trials, clinical trials that are done to try to answer questions like this. And in the clinical trials that have been performed with mixed procedures, they show that a large percentage of patients, probably 70% of patients or so, are able to stop at least one medication after a mixed procedure. Of course, there's some variability in that, just like uh, there's variability in responses to any intervention. Um, So, But on average, I would say 70% chance that at least one medication is able to be stopped and can be stopped for at least two years. Now, as you start to follow patients out longer than that, like many uh, of the surgeries that we do, sometimes the eye can heal. And over time, there may be more and more of a need uh, for eye pressure reduction and and eye pressure medicines may need to be restarted. Um, So what I would say is probably there's a 70% chance, 70% or so chance that we'll be able to stop at least one eye drop for a good two years. And then after that, there are chances of needing to be, needing that eye drop again, start to go up. Uh, so I, I think, you know, that, hopefully that answers that question.
0: I think it does and it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, in some cases, I think people might wanna hear that it will last forever. You know, but if we're being honest, you know, the the daily keep up of doing multiple drops at different times of the day and everything else—that's kind of that relieves a relatively big burden, I think, um, for a lot of people. Um, so let's see. Um, we kind of discussed. Um, or you know, if there's anything more you want to touch on on how MIGS differ from traditional glaucoma sur- um, surgery, and then if you could give a brief overview of how MIGS procedures are done, MIGS surgeries are done.
1: Yeah. So MIGS procedures differ from traditional glaucoma surgery in a few ways. With traditional glaucoma surgeries, uh, typically we're not aiming to. Uh, enhance drainage of the eye through the eye's natural drainage network. Instead, we're aiming to create a whole new drainage pathway for the eye. We can do that using the eye's natural tissues with a surgery called trabeculectomy. Or sometimes we do that with uh, using a little microscopic silicone tube that's placed inside the eye. So instead of using the eye's natural drainage system, we're we're creating a whole new drainage pathway with those surgeries. The traditional glaucoma surgeries are typically a little bit more involved. They take more time uh, in the operating room. And then there's typically um, more post-operative visits that are required and more intensive visits as well, you know, with with higher risk associated with those procedures than with MIG. But on the flip side, uh, those procedures, the traditional glaucoma surgeries, have been very well uh, studied and have been proven to be effective in lowering eye pressure over the long term and preserving vision for patients with glaucoma and can lower eye pressure to a greater degree than with our MIGS procedures. So those are the two two of the main ways they differ. Other ways they differ is that the MIGS procedures tend to uh, the vision is typically recovered a little bit more quickly than with uh, traditional glaucoma surgeries. And um, MIGS procedures, uh, as I'm sure we'll get to, you know, tend to be uh, easily, um, more easily combined with, with cataract surgery, which is a common type of operation that you know almost everybody will need over their lifetime. And MIGS procedures lend themselves very well to combination with cataract surgery.
0: No, that makes sense. um so uh, you know the sub question that was how do you do mix but I think that's probably a difficult answer because there's a lot of different approaches um but I guess in a broad sense, you know you mentioned with traditional um a longer recovery time, longer time in the o r um you know what what should a patient um expect you know is it um are, you know under are you under anesthesia are you numbed um and how long? you know, should you expect to recover?
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't get to that second part of the question. But in terms of how MIG procedures are performed, they're performed through a small um, incision in the cornea, which is the front clear part of the eye. Usually the incision is only uh, one and a half to two millimeters. And um, these procedures are done under IV sedation, typically. And they're same-day surgeries where patients go home the same day and during the surgery, we use kind of a special contact lens in order to visualize the eye's natural drainage network and then uh, kind of engage it and approach it with the various different uh, mixed procedures. Uh, in terms of, uh, so surgical time is typically about uh, 10 to 15 minutes or so, um, unless the procedure is being combined with, with another operation. And, and again, these MIGS procedures, because they're done through a uh, corneal incision, which is a, almost exactly the same incision as what would be made for cataract surgery, MIGS procedures are often combined with cataract surgery. So if you uh, add up the 10 to 15 minutes for the MIGS procedure and then maybe uh, 15 to 20 minutes for the cataract surgery, And it's it's usually about uh, 30, 35 minutes total for for both operations. In terms of recovery, um, so it's it's a same day surgery. And uh, and usually the surgeon will want to see patients either that same day or the next day, and then about a week later, and then two or three weeks after that. For the first week or so, we typically have patients refrain from any uh, heavy lifting or bending with the head below the heart. Um, And then after about a week, uh, one can uh, usually resume almost all activities. For the first week or so, the vision uh, typically fluctuates. uh, uh, And then after about a week, it's uh, fairly stable. And uh, the eye pressure can actually fluctuate as well. And typically, the, the final eye pressure after a mixed procedure stabilizes after about six weeks or so.
0: Oh, that's really good to know and to manage expectations. Um, so, you know, you did mention, you know, the combination with cataract surgery. I'm wondering if there are any MIGs that do not require that. Um, and then the follow up with that is who is a good candidate for the surgery and who might not be a good candidate?
1: Yeah, so um, MIGS procedures are often combined with cataract surgery because both types of surgery use the same exact incision. And so if somebody suffers from a cataract that requires surgery, incorporating a MIGS procedure does not add that much risk to the risk that has already been accepted with cataract surgery. Um, Now, there are mixed procedures that uh, can be performed without cataract surgery. So many times uh, an individual may benefit from a mixed procedure, but maybe they don't have a cataract uh, yet, or maybe they've already had cataract surgery. And yes, we have a number of different types of mixed procedures that are available to us in those circumstances. Uh, It's just that these days, if a patient has glaucoma, and has been treated with medications for several years, and now they've started to develop a cataract, which is affecting their vision, it, removing the cataract, in a way, provides us an opportunity to get a, uh, a better uh, handle on the glaucoma and perhaps reduce the medication burden at the same time. So uh, that's why the two uh, types of procedures go so well together. Um, in terms of candidates for MIG. One important thing to consider is that in order to perform a MIGS procedure, the surgeon needs to be able to visualize and see the eye's drainage pathway. And in some types of glaucoma, the drainage channel may, may become blocked or, or occluded uh, by other structures inside the eye. And if, if the drainage canal is scarred closed or if it's blocked, then that individual would not be a good candidate for these MIGS procedures. Another consideration is that sometimes we need eye pressure to be lowered more than what a MIGS procedure can offer us. With all the benefits that we've covered with MIGS, you know, one drawback is that they're not able to lower eye pressure to the degree as our traditional glaucoma surgeries. If if an individual needs their eye pressure lowered substantially, a MIGS procedure may not be the best option for them.
0: Sorry, I'm writing this all down. This is so interesting. Um, Thank you. That makes a lot of sense. Um, And I think you covered my next question, which was going to be with the various options, how do you decide which MIGS to use? Um, You, you you know, in a sense covered that. Are there any other thoughts you want to add to that? question?
1: Um, no, you know, I think it just all goes back to that balance of, um, of risk and benefit. And it's a very individualized approach. And, uh, and also some of it depends on, you know, if a patient has had other types of surgeries and things. Um, the nice thing is that we've got, you know, a pretty good selection to, to choose from. And we can often uh, find at least, um, you know, one uh, good type of mixed procedures for, for procedure for a given patient.
0: That's great. <clears throat> so before um, I ask the next question about how, you know, it fits into your practice, I have two questions from people listening, and I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure, um, you know, if you can address them or not, but I'm going to go ahead and ask them. Um, and they're about new approaches for exfoliation glaucoma and also to dispersion-based glaucoma? And if that's not what you cover, that's fine, but I figured I would ask just in case.
1: Yeah, those are both great questions. Pseudo-exfoliation glaucoma and pigmentary glaucoma are both you know, relatively common types of glaucoma that we see. They're specific types of open-angle glaucomas, open-angle meaning that the eye's drainage channel is not physically blocked, but it can be visualized. And so that allows patients suffering from pseudo-exfoliative glaucoma and pigmentary glaucoma to actually be good candidates for MIGS procedures. And in fact, studies often um, are are consistent in showing that patients with pseudo-exfoliation glaucoma especially tend to respond very favorably to MIGS procedures, uh, which makes sense because what we understand about pseudo-exfoliation is it's, it's caused by an accumulation of uh, waste material within the eye, inside the eye's natural drainage system. And so these mixed procedures, because they work directly at the drainage site, can help to, uh, in a way, kind of clear out some of that debris. Uh, but there's still no way to the, we know of to stop that debris from accumulating in the first place. And the
0: the same kind of concepts go
1: for pigmentary. Yeah.
0: No, go ahead. If you had more to say, I'm sorry I interrupted.
1: (laughs) I I was just going to say it's it's similar thinking for pigmentary glaucoma as well. Uh, The studies that we have don't show as much of a benefit as what we see for pseudo-exfoliation glaucoma with pigmentary glaucoma uh, for unclear reasons. but. Um, both types of glaucoma tend to be good candidates for MIGs procedures.
0: Great. know, um, thanks for covering that, and I know that was kind of out of the blue. Um, one last question um, from the audience, and we'll keep going. How does the optic nerve status determine MIGs surgery? You know how does that relate to the pressure and everything else, or is that
1: not as much a factor? Well, it, it's definitely a factor, and it's a factor because as somebody with uh, early uh, damage to their optic nerve or moderate damage to their optic nerve, they may that individual may not need as aggressive eye pressure lowering as somebody else who has an advanced degree of optic nerve damage. Someone who has advanced optic nerve damage often needs uh, aggressively lower eye pressure, and sometimes... Uh, that cannot be realistically achieved with a mixed procedure.
0: Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for covering that um so transitioning slightly, but back to where we were you know before I started asking other questions, how does mix fit into your practice? and I know every you know glaucoma specialist has their balance, but for you, is it something you do every day or is this you know, something, you know, are you mostly doing drops? And this is, you know, sometimes. Uh, Could you just kind of describe what it looks like for you on, on a daily basis?
1: Yeah. So the most common scenario by far for me and for most of my uh, glaucoma specialist colleagues around around the country and around the world is for our patients that we've cared for, for glaucoma for, you know, several years. And it comes a time in their lives where their cataract is starting to affect their vision. And that's a time in life that will happen to everybody. And most glaucoma specialists treat glaucoma as well as cataracts. And so when, it, when that time comes, uh, then that is an ideal opportunity to combine removal of the cataract with a mixed procedure. Uh, again, to, to better manage the glaucoma over the years to come, and also to decrease the medication burden. And uh, since the, the patient requires a surgery anyways with that tiny little incision that's made, um, we can leverage the opportunity to, to perform a mixed procedure. That's going to be the most common scenario by far for, uh, for myself and also for, for others uh, practicing. You know, other scenarios would be um, if somebody – again, has already had cataract surgery and maybe needs their eye pressure a little bit lower, but maybe for some reason they're not a good candidate for traditional glaucoma surgery, then uh, MIGS can be a good option there. And again, if somebody is maybe they're not ready for cataract surgery yet, we can still perform MIGS procedures uh, in that setting.
0: I really love how you outlined that doctor-patient relationship, um, you know, and how you know, in your view, you have the same patient over, you know, the course of, you know, in some cases, half a lifetime. And then, you know, because of your treatment history, you know, when it's the right time. And I think, you know, that that relationship is important to build. And I think that's especially good to highlight, you know, and obviously, as you mentioned, there are different variables and everything else. But um, I think that's a really good, you know, kind of take home uh, takeaway, you know, for people listening, like that relationship with the doctor is really important to develop and build trust and, you know, continue that over years. Um, okay, so the next question is, if somebody is not a candidate for MIGs, are there are there still treatment options for them, and what would that look like?
1: Yes, definitely. You know, of course, we've, we're spending this call focusing on MIGs, but the rest of our glaucoma uh, treatment options are very exciting as well. We have new medical options, new eye drops that work in ways that are completely different than uh, the eye drops that we, had, uh, that we previously had available. We have new laser treatments that have been proven to be safer uh, earlier on um, when one is initially diagnosed with glaucoma. And then of course we have our traditional glaucoma surgeries which have been tried and true And there's decades' worth of data that we have supporting our traditional glaucoma surgeries. So just because somebody's not a candidate for MIGS does not mean that we cannot use one of these other exciting treatment options uh, to get a handle and stabilize their glaucoma and decrease any risk for deterioration and vision loss.
0: That makes sense. So, you know, com- coming back to MIGS, um, what advice do you have for patients who are considering MIGS?
1: Um, well, you know, my advice would be um, do, to recognize, you know, the benefits of MIGS, which is the, the quicker recovery time and, um, and how it combines so well with cataract surgery. So to recognize those benefits but also recognize the limitations. Um, it, it's not the MIGS procedures and nothing in glaucoma is, is going to fix the, the problem. We don't have a cure for glaucoma. We just have many different, very effective and useful tools to control the disease and keep one from losing vision over their life. And so one should just have that broad, I think, uh, expectation and understanding and understand that uh, at one moment in their lives, MIGS might be a good option for them. And then in another moment in their lives, maybe years later, something else may be needed. And uh, just to understand that and also to keep um, a positive outlook because year after year, there are improvements made in our therapies. I'm sure that five years from now, we will have even better treatments than what we have today. And if a mixed procedure or anything else gets us through this time period now, then we can, utilize one of those future options later on.
0: Yeah, so that's, you know, I, I you know, I'm I'm not a scientist or a doctor. And the way I'm looking at that, you know, from a lay perspective is, you know, many surgeries, you know, you're getting a transplant, you're getting something removed, you're getting something inserted. This is really not quite the same thing. This is something that in the longevity of your journey with glaucoma you might do it once you might have something different we don't know about yet in a couple of years and it's really just part of the treatment journey the way drops are um you know and it's obviously different than drops for all the ways you've outlined but it's not kind of the be all it ends all in terms of like okay i've had this surgery and now i don't have this body part anymore or you know i don't have this problem anymore it's really just part of the treatment plan um you know on a continual basis
1: Th- that is actually perfectly said, and I'm, I'm actually going to use that line treatment journey uh, with with my patients. I think that's a great way uh, to think about it.
0: Oh, thank you for that. That's awesome. Um, so we kind of took a step back. We're going to kind of leap back to where we were. Um, you covered all of the, you know, the myriad of different things that are available now, and you made reference to you know, the future, are there anything, is there anything in the pipeline, you know, in clinical trials are being currently developed that you're particularly, you know, excited about or looking forward to?
1: Yeah, there's a few things. Uh, there's newer MIGS procedures that will use different types that will leverage different um, parts of the drainage system. And those are under study uh, right now. The other really exciting um, you know, I think the thing that will be coming forward in the next few years is hopefully we will have ways to uh, better determine who will respond favorably to MiG's procedures. And uh, I think that will come down to imaging techniques that we do in the office. And uh, being able to image a patient's eye and image the drainage network in, in more detail than what we can do now may help us determine who's Uh, who are better candidates for mixed procedures, who's likely to respond, and it may also help us to guide our mixed procedures so that we can target the uh, most appropriate part of the drainage pathway.
0: That's really exciting. Um, You know, we work in macular degeneration also, and there's so many, you know, always so many new things uh, coming along. And so with glaucoma, it's really great. There's so many options, but it's also very exciting to think about the future as well. So I'm going to, for now, I'm going to kind of sort of close on that, Uh, and just a note, our next Bright Focus Glaucoma chat will be on March 8th, and we will discuss lifestyle changes to help glaucoma. So, Dr. Aref, to close out today's chat, um, we so much appreciate your time and all of this really important and interesting information you've shared. Before we conclude, are there any final remarks? Um, you know, things to mention to your doctor, or anything else you'd like to share with our audience today?
1: Well, I, I want to thank you. I think we covered a lot. Um, I actually don't have you know too much to to add at this point, and um, and hopefully uh, the the attendees uh, found this useful.
0: Yeah, I think you covered you know, almost everything that we had, um, you know, planned for today, and I appreciate that. Um, as always, you know, people can leave messages with additional questions. We'll respond to you as soon as, you know, we receive them in a week or so. Um, and with that, this concludes today's Bright Focus Glock on the Chat. The information provided in this recording is a public service of Bright Focus Foundation and is not intended to constitute medical advice. Please consult your physician for personalized medical, dietary, and or exercise advice. Any medications or supplements should only be taken under medical supervision. Bright Focus Foundation does not endorse any medical products or therapies.